praise God. Anybody happy in, in church tonight? You know, a, uh, a depressed Christian is a contradiction of terminology. It is. Because a Christian is a Christian. Christ means anointed one. And he was anointed with the oil of joy above his brethren. And one of our, a big part of our witness is that we are unshakable because of the foundation that we have in God and the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. And even at destruction and famine, we laugh. That's a scripture, did you know that? At destruction and famine. What? Would you feel like laughing in destruction and famine? No, you wouldn't. But it's an act of faith. The enemy, the devil, is the most prideful being we know anything about. He is so proud. You talk about ego and narcissistic and self-centered, that's him. And uh, one, of the, one of the greatest insults to him is if you laugh at him. He wants you to take him seriously and be afraid of him. Be scared of him. Uh, you know, I, you don't realize it, but I see more of it now, but the enemy's always trying to sow seeds of fear in you, even as a child. And uh, my, uh, on my mother's side, my grandfather was shot and killed when he was 21. His father was shot and killed when he was 21. And I was the next boy on that side of the family. And my grandmother on that side used to show me pictures of him, my granddad, in a casket. And, tell me, and they'd say, you look just like him. You, just, you look just like him. <laughs> now you're laughing, but this is how the enemy works. And I didn't know what was going on, but then even as a boy, sometimes a thought would come to me. Isn't that odd? He was killed when he was 21. His dad was killed. Isn't that strange? What's the enemy trying to do? Get a, get, get a thought in you. And as I, especially as I became a teenager, I'd, I'd ponder that. I hadn't learned much about the word yet. And um, uh, I think, well, and sometimes a thought would come to me, man, you better live it up. Because, you know, 21's not far off. And <laughs> that's how the enemy does. You better live it up. Cause, and, uh, uh, and then when I got to be about that age, uh, about 20 or so, these thoughts kept coming to me from the enemy. You're going to die soon. You're going to die soon. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to kill you. The, the enemy talked about it. And thank God by that time, I was learning something about the word. I was learning something about the, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit and his leading and our authority. And that thoughts were trying to come back about, you know, you're not going to live past 21 in this. And, and the Spirit of God, thank God for the Holy Spirit. From the inside of me, I don't mean to hurt a voice, but from inside me, 
he spoke up and said, why don't you ask him why he hasn't already done it? And, and man, that, I know it was the Lord, it, that hit me in such a way, I thought, yeah, yeah, why haven't you already killed me? Just because you kind of liked me and wanted to wait a little while? I don't think so. And the Spirit of God quickened me. He hadn't done it because he can't. He hasn't been able to. He's tried many times, and Lord knows I gave him plenty of opportunities. I was a wild and crazy kid. I mean, I, I made a trip or two to the emergency room every summer. Diving off a cliff into rocks, riding motorcycles, sliding down the road, swinging from trees, falling out of a barn. He had plenty of opportunities, is that right? But then I realized, yes, yes. And then I got sassy. I got kind of sassy. I said, yeah, yeah, bad boy. Why hadn't you already taken me out? Why? What you waiting on? And somebody says, ooh, I wouldn't say that. Then you're in danger. Because it's the fear that gives access. And the fear that gives you power. You hear even Christians saying, you know, oh, 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 y'all y'all pray, y'all pray. I think somebody moved, a witch moved in next door to me or on my floor, and I think they've been putting the hoodoo on me. <laughs> you know, Brother Hagen, a senior who's in heaven now, somebody came to him one time, and this woman purported to be a, a prophetess, and and, and she wasn't, and, and uh, he said some things, that, and the preacher came up to him afterwards and said, oh, Brother Hagin, oh, you know, so-and-so, sister so-and-so heard that, and oh, man, you better watch. She'll curse you. Now, that's a strange prophetess. She will curse you. And, and he leaned back. He said, I double-dog dare her to curse me. You <laughs> said, double-dog. Double dog dare. Somebody said, ooh I, ooh, I wouldn't say that. Then you got too much faith in what the enemy can do to you. And that makes you vulnerable. Do you remember when Balak tried to hire Balaam to curse the people of God? You read about that? Offered him big money, offered him all kind of stuff. And he even tried to do it. He went to different places and, and he was going to curse them. And then the Lord said, you can't curse them. You cannot curse whom I have blessed. Oh, has God blessed you, child of God? Then you, you cannot curse whom God has blessed. That, that'd make you bigger than God. If you could override his blessing. Somebody say, I am blessed of the Lord. And the scripture said, the curse causeless shall not come, but it will return to the place it came from. What does that mean? If somebody's thinking about cursing you, some kind of stupid stuff, you say, hey, you better make it your hat size. Because it is coming right, whoop, 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 back to you. Somebody needs to say it out loud, you cannot curse whom God has blessed. Cannot. That's scripture. You cannot. But you must not be afraid of any of these things. 
because fear is what opens the door. Fear makes you subject to bondage. And so you need to be very adamant and any kind of thought that comes across your mind and quit watching horror shows. Are you listening? So I said, well, it's just fun entertainment. No, it's not. It's designed to put fear in you and sow seeds of fear. And what's worse, so much of it is this lying uh, about wrong spirits and demons. Demons are not these monsters that Hollywood portrays. They are defeated spirits. And they are under your feet in the name of Jesus. And you have no reason to be afraid of any of these things. But the devil will lie to you and he'll do his best to put fear in you about it. But when you know the truth, you'll realize when you find out who you are and how powerful the name of Jesus and how big the greater one inside you, wrong spirits are afraid of you. Which is why they'll lie to you and try to hide it from you. And how did we get into that? Because that's not in my notes. Go to Luke 11, please. Luke 11. If you weren't with us last night, we, we're building tonight on what we, we did last night, so you might want to hear the previous message if that's available. Um, thank you for sowing into the ministry, our ministry. Our partners and different ones sent us to you, so all of our expenses are paid for before we got here. And so what you're sowing into us, you'll send us somewhere else. Amen. You'll send us... And just a few weeks ago, we ministered in Nigeria, and then we ministered up in Estonia, and, and we'll be ministering in other places as the months go by. So you, uh, you'll have a part, everybody that sowed into us, in sending us or sending our materials or some of these things. It is going to be a so amazing when you get to heaven and meet people that'll want to come and hug your neck. And you'll be like, Hi, who are you? <laughs> and they'll say, thank you for sending this to me. You sent this ministry to me. You sent these preachers to me. You sent these books or these downloads to me. You sent these and it changed my life and I came to God or I came back to God. That's going to happen over and over again. And here's the amazing part. It multiplies. If the Lord tarries his coming a while, one person whose life got changed, they might have led half of their family to the Lord too. So they'll all be standing there waiting for a hug too. Huh? And who knows? Maybe they have, that affected their future spouse or their uh, children that followed after that. I mean, it is just a wonderful thing and we're going to be so amazed and so glad that we did what we did instead of doing nothing. In Luke 11, did you find it? Luke 11 and verse 1. It came to pass that as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, you know, let me just stop right there. Uh, they waited till he got through praying <laughs> to come ask their question. Don't interrupt people when they're praying. Why would you say that? We live in a perpetually interrupted, distracted generation with our technology. And you gotta watch it about every time something buzzes or dings, you have to check it. That means you are continually interrupted. 
and your thought processes oftentimes when they're interrupted, you don't get back to it. You can lose that thought process. And so we need times, is everybody awake? We need times when everything is switched off and we get still and quiet and give God our full, uninterrupted attention. Are y'all with me, folks? And if you don't, you'll miss things. And it could be something important. Could be something to save your life. Is that okay? So they waited till he got through. And then they said, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples. And so he did, but man, they got a lot more than they asked for. Because he, I mean, he opened this thing up to them. And just me looking at this again this week, I'm seeing we've stopped too short. You know, so many times you need to read the verse that came before it and the one that came after it and see the context. There's, there's a whole lot more here. And so uh, he said, when you pray, uh, say, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in, as in heaven, so in earth. And so this is asking. We're going to see that in a moment. But see, he's, he's saying ask for that. When you say pray, he says ask that God's will would be done on, on earth as it is in heaven. And ask this, give us this day our daily bread. This is asking. And forgive us our sins. That's asking. For we forgive everyone that's indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's another ask. Asking for something. And he said to them, so he's still talking about the same thing. Still talking about prayer. Which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Now let's just stop right here. Is, in the story, is the man asking for something? Yeah. He's asking, wants to get some food. Asking for three loaves. And he said, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. But he, the man's friend on the inside, will answer from within and say, Trouble me not, don't bother me. Uh, and you've got to remember, this is before electricity. <laughs> this is before TV, definitely before internet, right? So a lot of times when the sun went down, what are you going to do? Sit around, watch a candle? You know, a lot of people would go to bed and go to sleep early. Still not a bad idea. Huh? <laughs> we live in a fatigued society because of a lack of rest. Uh, anyway, he said, uh, don't bother me. The door's now shut. And my children are in bed too. And I can't rise and, and, and get up and give you. This is a real imposition. Everybody's asleep. You gotta realize midnight in the pre-electricity time, people have been asleep for hours. 
And, you know, it'd be like somebody dropping by at three in the morning or something now. I mean, it's uh, beating on the door, knocking, asking. And he said, uh, I can't get up and give you. And Jesus said, I say to you, though he will not rise up and give him because he is his friend. <laughs> Friendship ain't going to be enough to get him out of bed on this. Because <laughs> he's thinking, why don't y'all just go to bed and eat breakfast in the morning or, you know, leave me alone. He said he, he won't get up and give him the food because he's his friend, but he will get up and give him what he's asking for because of the man's, King James says, importunity. And then he says, and I say to you, what? Ask. Is everybody, what? can you read the scriptures? Can you? What, what is, what, what? This is the culmination of everything that he's been saying to them since they asked him to teach, him, teach us how to pray. What's the bottom line? So he tells, us, he tells them all of that, and it's recorded for all of us. And here is the bottom line of our part, our responsibility. Bottom line is what? Ask. You must ask. And, and what else? Seek. And it'll be given to you. And what else? Ah. Seek. Now, what's the, who's the understood subject of, of seek? You. You ask. You seek. And what'll happen? You'll find. Well, what if you don't seek? Will you find anyway? What if you don't ask? Will it be given to you anyway? Well, why would the Lord tell us to do it? If it doesn't matter. If it's going to happen either way. Why would he say this? Everybody said out loud, ask. ask. What's the next thing? Seek. And then it was another. Knock. And it shall be open to you. Verse 10, he reiterates it. For everyone that what? Asks, receives. And he that seeks, finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. Then he goes on to talk about a son asking, asking a father for bread or, or for fish. He's still talking about the same thing. The, these, all these 13 verses are, the, are his response to this. Said another time, ask. Seek, Seek. Knock. knock. Will God do that for you? He told you to do it. Right? Uh, there is, there's some misconceptions around. And you got to watch about just grabbing a phrase that you heard somebody say and repeating it. You want to ask yourself all the time, whether it's something you hear me say tonight or any meeting, anywhere, anytime, you want to be continually asking yourself, where is that in the book? Where is that? Because any of us can make a mistake. Any of us can jump to a wrong conclusion. And uh, we talked about last night some about how important it is 
to find out what the Lord actually said. And you even have to watch about some of these modern translations because a lot of them are not accurate. They're really not a, a translation, they're a paraphrase. They're not telling you word for word what he said, they're telling you what they think he meant. We're going to see that here in just a moment. Um, let, me give, let me give you an example. Many modern translations will use phrases like, try to do this, or do your best. The Lord never told you to try to do anything. These are things made up and added by the translators. To tell you to try to do something would imply one of two things. You might not be able to do it, or he might not know whether you could or not. Are y'all with me? The Lord never told you to try to do anything. Just an example of a phrase. And many of these things like... Um, you'll see where elders and patriarchs were blessing someone or speaking blessing over them and they'll change it to a request instead of a command or a blessing. You gotta watch out for these things. And, and this, this one word here, why did Jesus say that uh, the man would get up and give him the, what he's asking for? Because of what? King James says, importunity. If you have a different translation, what does yours say? Persistence. That's not really accurate. Now don't take my word for it. Look it up. This word, if you look it up in the different dictionaries, it's a unique word. Jesus used a unique word here. And what it literally means is without shame. Without shame. Shamelessness is accurate, very precise. Is that the same as persistence? No, no it's not. Does, does it affect the understanding of the passage? Yeah. Let me, let me read you the definition of it. The word importunity. Uh, it literally means, like we said, without shame or shamelessness, without bashfulness. It, it, it's also, it, it could be translated boldness because he'll get up and give it to him because of his boldness. Or we might say his audacity. His, his brashness, his, his nerviness. To what? To be out there beating on the door at midnight asking for something. Right? Did the man get what he needed and wanted? Did he? He got results. Didn't he? He wanted bread. He needed bread. He got the bread. How did he get the bread? Seeking, knocking, asking. Is that right? And his friend got up and got him the bread, why? Not because he was feeling friendly. 
Not because he was feeling lovely. Why? Because of the man's boldness and shamelessness. Now somebody said, well, I, I would be embarrassed to do that. Yeah, and that's why you wouldn't get the bread. <laughs> right? He got results. Anybody like results? He got results. Because he did what? See, when Jesus talked about praying and asking, then he told this story, and then what did he reaffirm after that? Then he said, so I say to you, ask, seek, knock. Now this, the devil does not want you to know. And he has lied and deceived generation after generation of church people that this is not humility. And this is being too pushy and too, too forward and the Lord wouldn't like this. But he's the one gave us the example. He's the one told us to do it. Right? And he's not telling us to impose on other people. This compares with the parable that he told about the unjust judge. In Luke 18, I think it is. He, he gives it as a contrast. And he says, if the unjust judge will take care of the, the widow because of her, and, and there was persistence in that case, uh, then won't God, who's not an unjust judge, who is completely faithful, won't he take care of it? And so he's saying, he's not talking about you asking people for things and pulling on people and putting pressure. No, he's talking about with him. You got to come back to say, what did they say? Teach us how to pray. What did he start with? Start like this. Our Father, which art in heaven. Is that right? He's talking about what you do with the Father and what you do with his things. And this takes mind renewal because religion makes beggars out of men and women. Religion will teach you, beg, beg. No, you don't know what's best for you. Just leave it up to God. No, just beg. And it may happen, it may not. We just don't know. You never know what God's going to do. These are completely ignoring what the Lord told us to do. And it's not how it works. It's not how you get results. How about this phrase? All we need to do is just let go and let God. <laughs> you ever heard that? Huh? Where's that verse? Are y'all okay? <laughs> Go to 1 Timothy, please, the sixth chapter. Somebody says, well, that's, I've got a, I've got a picture of that hanging in my living room. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where's your scripture? Is that a verse? Did the Lord say that? Did the Lord say to us? Now, the main thing you need to do, to do is just get out of my way. 
you need to quit and let me do it. Is that what he said? No, that's what some preacher said. Are y'all with me? 1 Timothy 6.12. 1 Timothy 6.12. Are you there? What does it say? Huh? Fight? Really? Fight? What? The good fight of faith. Let go. Huh? <laughs> fight the good fight. Well, lay hold, let go. About the same. Uh, uh. Somebody says, well, yes, but now God has already done everything. Jesus has already paid for everything. He's already bought everything. He's already done everything. Yes, he has. But that don't mean you'll enjoy any of it. Are y'all with me? Just because he's done it and just because he's made it available and just because he's given it to us does not mean you'll, mean you'll enjoy it unless and until you receive it. You got to believe it and you got to receive it. Or you got to lay hold of it. Another way of saying receive. Lay hold of it. Well, what, why would you have to fight? Because there's an enemy. I said there's an enemy. God's not withholding from us. He's not making it hard. But there's an enemy that'll fight you every inch of the way. He will lie to you. He will try to wear you down. He will try to trick you and deceive you. And you will have to have some fight in you. You will have to have some not going to quit in you. And through faith and patience and perseverance, you'll lay hold. Right? But it's not just going to fall on you automatically because you were born and you're here and God loves you. People are making a mistake. Did the man get results? Did he get his bread in the story? Notice what he didn't do. Lay on the couch at the house. Huh? And sing Kumbaya. And wait for the bread to come to him. Hmm? How many of the people in Jesus' ministry that were healed, miraculously healed, miraculously delivered. How did they get it? They came. They yelled, Son of David, have mercy on me. They pressed through the crowd. Is that right? And touched it. Come on, can you see a theme here? Faith without an action is dead. Is that right or not? Now, the King James says faith without works, but I think that leaves a wrong idea. When people hear works, they think works of the law or something. He's not talking about that. It's the word for doing. Faith without doing is dead. Well, dead, just like 
The body without the spirit is dead. Faith with no doing, faith with no action is dead. Dead. You know, the, in the great, what we call healing revival in the 40s and 50s and the great tent meetings and all, it was that they, they learned some things about how to get miracles. And people would come on the great healing night in the tent meeting. Uh, people in wheelchairs would come with a new pair of shoes. Come on, are you listening? They'd come with a new pair of shoes and then the, the, the man of God or the woman of God to start saying, act. Smith Wigglesworth was said to march back and forth across the platform and say, faith is an act. Faith is an act. Faith is an act. But somehow or another, many people have thought, well, you know, it's just all up to God. No, it is not all up to God. Mm -mm. Is he going to do your asking for you? Is he going to do your seeking for you? Is he going to do your knocking for you? No. And if you don't do it, it won't happen. Are y'all okay? Fight the good fight of faith. Are you fighting God? Of course not. Certainly not. Then why would it be a fight? Because of all the stuff down here in this dark, curse-filled world will try to wear you down, will try to keep you out of it. The type was when God delivered his people out of Egyptian bondage, he gave them the promised land that flows with milk and honey. He said before they ever got there, he said, I have given it to you. Well, if God says, I have given it to you, is it yours or is it yours? And yet when they got there, guess what? People parked on it. Giants everywhere. Is that right? Giants, walled cities. Huh? You think God already knew that? Of course he knew that. Didn't matter to him. The enemy will park on top of your stuff and, cu and cuss you out and sneer at you. He will blaspheme God and tell you there's no way you're ever going to have that or do that. And if you're wimpy, You'll go, okay. <laughs> but I thought the Lord gave it to me, but I see I don't have it, so. You got a man up. You got a woman up. You, you got a God up. Is that right? You, you got to make up your mind. If Jesus went through what he went through to buy it and pay for it for me and give it to me, I'm going to have it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to live in it. I'm going to walk in it. And so I'm going to ask and I'm going to seek and I'm going to knock and I'm going to stand and I'm going to go after it and not quit. If it takes a month, it takes a month. If it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years. Some things don't happen overnight. You got to make up your mind. The Lord said, it's mine, so here we go. Somebody say, I'm after it. I'm, I'm after it. And the Lord told us three specific things. Ask, seek, knock. Did the man do those three things in the story that wanted the bread? 
Why did he leave the house and go to the other man's house? Seeking. He's looking for it. Is that right? He's looking for it. And so when he got there, what did he do? He knocked. Why? Why is he knocking? Why is he there? He's seeking. He's looking for something. He's looking for some bread. Why did he knock? He wants access. Oh, y'all listening. Why knock? You're, you're there. You're looking for it. But now you're saying, let me in. I want access. Huh? Is that right? Entrance into it. How do I get into that? Hmm? God said it's mine. He said it's available to me. He said he gave it to me. Okay, then I'm, I'm looking for it. And when you come up against something that seems to be closed, hindering you from uh, getting into it, you don't just cry and feel sorry for yourself. You say, knock, knock, knock. It's me, I'm come for mine. Knock, knock, knock. Huh? Let me in. Now look with me, if you would, talking about this seeking part for a moment. Y'all okay? Yes. This is important, isn't it? Don't you believe it's important? Yes. James 1, we touched on this, but let's, let's look at it again. James 1 and verse 5. When you say you just need to let go and let God. What are you talking about? If you're talking about quit worrying about it, cast your cares over on the Lord, absolutely. But when you say, let God do it, you cross the line. You may, you're trying to make him responsible for everything, and he's given you some responsibilities. And so it's not going to work if you try to just get him to do everything. You know, a prayer that Christians pray a lot is actually incorrect prayer. And it's, help me, Lord. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, it's a good idea, but it's not really what they mean. You know, if, uh, if I said, guys, I want to come, come move this keyboard, you know, uh, you, 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 please, come help me, uh, come help me Move the keyboard. So you come up, and so I go sit down. <laughs> Did I say that right? Uh-uh. What should I have said? Would you go do that for me? But that's not what I said. What did I say? Help me. Help me implies I'm going to do something, and I'm asking for assistance. And so the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete, the one who comes alongside to do it for you. Huh? No. No. Tell me what one of the big names of the Holy Spirit is. The helper. Well, what if you give him nothing to help? Then he's waiting. You say, help me, help me, Holy Spirit. And then you sit down. And he's like, okay, I'm ready. Help me. Okay, when are you going to do something? 
You want me to assist you. You want me to help you. You got to give him something to help. He's not the one called to do it for us. He's our helper. James 1 and 5. Let's talk about seeking a little bit more. James 1 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, do what? Let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, and it shall be given him. That's the same phrase Jesus used. Ask and it shall be given. But you know a lot of people are not doing that in modern churches. They would tell you, no, I'm just trusting God to, you know, he knows what I need. And so I'm just trusting him to give it to me as he knows best and when he knows. So did you ask for any wisdom about that? No, no, I just, you know, he takes care of everything. And I'm just, yeah, but he said ask. Jesus said ask. Uh, the scripture tells us in the New Testament, pray without ceasing. Is that true? Yes. Pray without ceasing. How do you do that? It's not practical to say that I'm praying 24-7 every breath. I'm sleeping part of the time. I'm eating part of the time. I'm at work. I'm traveling, whatever. So what does that mean? It means never stop with prayer. It's a lifestyle. It's not just something you do at the church service or here and there. It is a daily, every day, every night thing. And it doesn't mean you got to be on your knees by yourself with your hands folded. You can pray a powerful, effective prayer in a few seconds. Hmm? I know some years ago we were at a convention and after the meeting, myself and some of the pastors went to a, a restaurant. And um, we were there, and the, uh, the waitress came and took our order. And as she walked away, the Lord, I was listening to them talk, but the Lord spoke up on the inside of me. And I don't mean I heard a voice now, but inside, like he'll talk to every Christian if you learn how to listen. He said, uh, Keith, now's the time to pray over your food. Because we had always just been waiting until it showed up. And then we pray. And I thought, really? And just like that, he took me through a thing. And he took me back. I don't mean I had a vision, but he just revealed it to me that the difference in the back, in the kitchen, of them getting, I had ordered a steak, them getting a good top piece of meat or a spoiled piece of meat was the difference between reaching here or here, if there was one there. And if I asked him now, he had a right to direct them. And then when I saw that, he began to take me thing after thing after thing, like I was going to an electronics store the next day to buy an appliance type item. And so the Lord said, now uh, on your way up there, or when you know that you're making the purchase, or if you're at the counter or whatever, and they're going back to the warehouse or back to get it, ask me. Ask me to direct them to get, get a good one for you. 
to get the right one because the difference between you having a dud that's going to break on you in three weeks and you have to mess with it or one that'll last you 20 years is them getting this box or this box. Come on, can you see that? And so he, he was dealing with me about this is an application of praying without ceasing. Come on, can you see that? At every juncture. And the Bible said, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. But we have a part in this. You can't just say, well, I'm just leaving it all up to God. That's ignoring hundreds of directives in his word that he told us to do. Well, I just want to leave it up to God. That's being either ignorant or lazy as a believer. The Bible warns us about that, about being slothful and about being lazy spiritually. God's not going to do what he told us to do. We have a responsibility. And so uh, uh, somebody's still wondering about that prayer before uh, they bring the food. This is how I pray over it now. Because the scripture said in Timothy that, uh, that the food is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer. So why pray over your food? People say, well, you, you say grace. Where'd that come from? Where's that scripture? You see what I'm talking about? A lot of times it means nothing. If it means nothing to you, you will get nothing out of it. Are you releasing any faith anywhere for anything? Why do it? Well, for one thing, we want to give thanks. Want to give thanks? Are y'all okay or not? You want to give thanks that you're eating today? Is that right? And then you want, this is potato country, right? So then, then you, want to, you want to call them taters into the ministry. <laughs> what? Because we're going to use this sustenance and strength to live for God. Is that right? Live our life and do our call, whatever it may be. And the scripture said it's sanctified by the word of God in prayer. In the scripture it said, if you would obey God, he would bless your bread and your water and take sickness and weakness out of the midst of you and the number of your days you would fulfill. So you can actually confess longevity as you release. And what I'll say a lot of times, Lord, thank you for providing for us so abundantly. A lot of times I'm thanking for my health today. Thank you for my brightness of mind. And Lord, we ask you to direct them in the selection, preparation, handling of our food. And we call it sanctified in Jesus. A lot of times I'm done. Sometimes I'll say, thank you. You said that if I'd serve you, you'd bless my bread and water and take sickness out of the midst of me and the number of my days you would fulfill. Thank you for doing that. But there needs to be some way that you are releasing faith and that you got a ground to stand on and you are expecting a result. But can you see that we need to ask? Do we need to ask? Well, here he's saying, ask for wisdom. Now, this is something you need all the time. What is wisdom? Whew, wisdom. The Bible talks about, in, in particularly in Proverbs, three big things, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. They're not the same. Uh, knowledge, pretty easy. You either know it or you don't know it. You're aware of it or you're not aware of it. 
Understanding is pretty simple too. D did, you, did you hear what we taught? We said, do you know this now? Yeah. Do you understand that? Uh-uh. <laughs> so not the same thing, right? But then wisdom is the God-given grace to use what you know and what you understand to get the desired outcome. Wisdom can see where things are going and see the end result and what to do. Wisdom knows what to do in a situation where my head hadn't got a clue. And instead of just doing something off the cuff, when you got a situation, something comes up, you're hit with something or some kind of challenge, the first thing many times you need to ask for is wisdom. What do you mean? Don't assume you know what to do. Ask the Lord, what do I do about this? What do I say? What do I, how do I respond? How do I believe? Ask for wisdom. And what did he say? But he went on to say, ask in faith. Don't be wavering. Well, okay, you asked for the wisdom. Will you get it? What do you say? Absolutely. God told me he'd give it to me. What does that mean? I will know what to do. He'll show me. Somebody needs to say it right now. Say it out loud. Lord, I ask you for wisdom for these situations in my life. See, it can be money. It can be health, marriage, kids, whatever it may be. You need this all the time. And so on, on a regular basis, something comes up, you realize you don't know and you need to know. What do you do? Ask. Ask. Only takes a minute. Ask. Lord, I'm asking you for wisdom. Please show me what to do about this. And then, uh, what did he say? Get in faith. What does that mean? He's heard my prayer. I know it's his will to show me, so I know he's heard my prayer. And I know he's granted my request. So what am I doing now? What, what comes next? Seeking. Seeking. What do you mean? You're looking for it. What, what, you're looking for the answer to the prayer. You're looking for the answer. And this is the part that many have fallen down on. Now, I've made mistakes on it many times, but I'm, I'm learning, I'm growing. What do you mean? Anybody know who the wisest man in the Bible? Huh? Solomon. Solomon. King Solomon. Said he had breadth of understanding as wide as the seashore. You know, nobody ever been like him and, and even since then. But I want you to notice what he did. You may know, in, and don't turn there, but 1 Kings 3, 9 Solomon asked for wisdom. Do you remember that? Uh, the, the Lord appeared to him and said, uh, what do you want from me? Man, like a blank check. What do you want? And he said, give your servant an understanding heart that I may discern between good and bad and verse 12, the Lord said, I have done according to your words. What does that mean? I'm giving you what you asked for. What if he hadn't asked? Have we heard this kind of thing before? According to your faith. Yeah. And uh, he said, I've, I've done according to your words. I have given you a wise 
and understanding heart, so that there are none like you before you, neither after you shall any arise like you. But that was not the end. Go please to Ecclesiastes. First chapter. Ecclesiastes 1. Now that may be back where your pages are stuck together. I don't know. But uh, they'll, they'll put it on the screen for us. Of course, I guess if it's your iPad, they can't be stuck together. But uh, Ecclesiastes 1, 12. Now this is his writings, same man that asked for the wisdom. In Ecclesiastes 1.12, he said, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. Verse 13, I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. Verse 16, I communed with my own heart. Verse 17, I gave my heart to know wisdom. Ecclesiastes 7, 25, I applied my heart to know and to search and to seek out wisdom. When God told him, I've heard your request and I've granted it. I've given it to you. Then what did he do? He went on a full bore with all his heart search for it. Can you see this or not? He didn't just wait for it to fall on him. With all his heart, he is searching. He is looking. What did Jesus say? Seek and you shall find. Hebrews says concerning faith in God, two things you got to believe if you're going to come to God. You got to believe that he is. What else you got to believe? What else you got to believe? He's a rewarder of all his people. That's not what it said. Huh? Everybody that comes to church. No. What? Those that what? Everybody, if you would, now you're going to have to work with me just a little bit here. Turn your head and look straight back. Everybody. Turn your head. Don't look this way. Look, look back. Now, now keep doing it till I tell you otherwise. Can you see me? I'm here. Can you see me? I'm right here. Can you see me? Turn around. Can you see me now? You might say, that's silly, Brother Keith. <laughs> Not as silly as you think. You know what you find? What you look for. If you're not looking for it, there are many things you're just not going to find. You've got to look for it. You ask the Lord for it, and then what? You look for it. You search for it. Ask the Lord for a job. And then lay on the couch. Huh? Ask the Lord for the right house. And then complain about how the prices have gone up. 
and wait for God to decide to notice you and just make it fall on you. Well, you won't have a house next time I see you. Are y'all listening? No. Say it out loud. What did, what did Jesus tell you and me to do? Come on, help me out. What do you say? Ask. Seek. Knock. He's not going to do that for us. Nobody else can do that. Nobody else can do my asking for me or my seeking for me or my. Every, at every juncture and every day, we've got to be led by the Spirit. And we will need answers and we will need direction. And once we have made the request based on His known will and word, and we're confident that He's heard us and granted our request, we are not done. Tell this folks over here. We are not done. We prayed. We made a request. We believe he's heard us. We're in faith about it. And we are not done. I said we're not done. What do you mean? You must now look for it. Now that doesn't mean that you spend endless hours doing Google searches. You know you're never going to get through all of those millions of entries. And that's not how children of God are supposed to be led. The Spirit of God can narrow it down for you. Right? And while you pray and spend some time praying in the Spirit, but you're looking. I said you're looking. Brother Hagin Sr. used to say he put up his spiritual antenna. Y'all ever heard him say that in his teaching? Put up his spiritual, what does that mean? Why would you pull your antenna out? Trying to pick up something. Is that right? What are you doing? I'm looking. Somebody said, well, that sounds weird. It's normal for a child of God. I'm looking. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going around telling everybody what you're looking for. I don't mean that. But you just, you've got that attitude in your spirit. I know God's heard me. I know he's granted my request. So I am looking. I'm looking for that right job. I'm looking for that right employee. I'm looking for that, that job, that contract, that thing. I'm looking for the right place to stay. I'm looking for that right apartment. That doesn't mean you got to go see every offering in town. What do you mean? Well, how will I find out? It's not through a laborious, detailed process of elimination. That's acting like you don't have the Holy Spirit. What is it? You're looking, and one of the biggest things you're looking for is a witness. A witness on the inside. Hallelujah. Whatever it may be. We, uh, we recently got back from, uh, I told you those international trips, and the Lord gave us our own aircraft to do that in. And um, when we got there, this has been, I don't know, seven years ago or something like that, it was a big step for us. that We'd, we'd never had anything that could cross an ocean. And so um, it seemed so far out of our reach. 
But that's what faith is. What a preacher need an airplane for? Go places? Go places and come back. <laughs> the problem is people don't think, uh, people that talk like that, they don't think the things of God are important enough. Our churches or ministry or the gospel is important enough to have these kind of tools. They got no, no problem with a, a, a brake pad company having one. Or, or a liquor dispensary having one. They got no problem. Oh, that's fine. But anyway, we had it in our heart. We'd been believing for years on it. Sowing seed, expecting. And uh, we looked at one and it, we thought, wow, this thing would really do the job. And, and yet it seemed so out of reach. And within, there was another one that was even above it but it was substantially higher. But we'd sowed our seed, we're believing God, and now what am I doing? I'm, I'm looking, I'm searching, I got my antenna up, I'm, I'm looking for this. And, and years passed, everybody say years. Years, years passed. You don't just run out and try to make something happen. We want what the Lord wants in this. And so many things you couldn't make happen anyway has to be him or it's not going to happen. And so we looked at this other plane and oh man, this thing was just like leaps and bounds ahead of the other one that we thought was too much for us. But we had a witness. My wife and I did, my associate did when we looked at it. We both, you know, we, we got in the car to leave. We looked at it and said, did you like that one? Everybody went, oh yeah, yeah, that's Oh man, they wanted to say that's the one, but they kind of held themselves a little bit. Because the price was just like a third more than the other. And the other one was, we thought, beyond us. And so months passed. And so uh, then we, we found out they said it had sold. It had sold. They had even gone through the, all the, quite a process to do some of that. And so uh, more months passed. And the market took a dip. And then we had some harvest come in. And then some other things happened. And now the whole process now had been about four years by this time since we had started on this particular one, believing for it. And I just had a witness. Everybody say witness, witness. I, I had a witness. Uh, Mike, wave your hand over here. Mike flies with me here. And I said, uh, Mike, call those guys. I know they said it was sold, what, a year ago or whatever. Call them and see did it really sell. Now, why would you say, why would you do that? Because they told us it was sold. He called them. And that contract fell through. And so it was under a different contract, and that one fell through too. And then it was under a third contract, and that one fell through too. And so it was for sale and available at 40% or 30 something percent beneath what we had looked. The Lord did it for us. That, that put it in where we were, that put it where we could take the next steps. All things are possible with God. All things are possible to him that or her that believes. But we had our part, didn't we? We had our part that we, number one, 
we pray and commune with him and he, he puts things in our heart and shows us. And so at the right time, we ask. Hmm? We asked for that. It's okay to ask for a car. I lost somebody. It's all right to ask for a car. Huh? It's all right to ask for an apartment, to ask for a house, to ask for a tractor, a Jeep, motorcycle. Get you a big one, fast one. Get, I like motorbikes. It's all right. It's all right. It, if God is first, he, he doesn't want you, he doesn't mind you having all kinds of things as long as they don't get between you and him and, and they don't take you away from him. Or you're not too busy with that that you start missing church or something. Y'all with me? But what should you do? You, you need to feed on his things and fellowship with him until you get settled that it's his will. He wants you to have some of these things and you get to the place where you can confidently go ahead and ask for one. Hmm? And be ready to sow some seed. Help somebody sow into somebody else that's getting one. Help them get one. Right? I know uh, Phyllis and I, this, this would have been back in the 90s. You got time for some of these stories or not? Because you tell us these stories may cut into something else. But we're just with you for a little while, short while longer here. Um, we bought a brand new Jeep Grand Cherokee, and this was when they first came out back then. And um, we couldn't pay cash for it. I think we owed 13000 something dollars after our down on it. But we were learning uh, about that, you know, God could do more, and, and so we agreed together and um, uh, claimed more than enough to pay it off. Go to Matthew, if you would, 7. And right after we did that, the Lord prompted this verse to me. I was reading in Matthew. And when I got to this place, it almost, uh, you know, it didn't really stand off the page, but it seemed to me like it did. Uh, this verse here, Matthew 7 and 12. 7, 12, Matthew. Therefore, all things... Whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do what? Do what? Do even so to them. All things whatsoever you would that men should do to you. So the Lord prompted me. I, I, we had asked him, my wife and I had asked him and claimed more than enough to pay off our car. And uh, so he, just a day or two after that, he quickened, he said, would you like somebody to come hand you money to pay off that car? I said, yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, that was, that was, yeah, yeah. Or, or two or three people that sold different amounts, but it added up to more than enough to, to do it. I said, yes, sir, yes. He said, read the rest of the verse. What? Whatever you would want like for somebody to do for you, do what? Do it for somebody. And I saw it. I saw it. 
We need to sow seed towards somebody's payoff on their car or, or something like that. Now, that doesn't mean you just run out and do something of the first person you see. You, you need to be led, need to be directed. So, again, we asked, Lord, show us who and where to sow some seed because whatever you'd like to happen to you, do that for somebody. People say, well, well if I could pay theirs off, I'd just pay mine off. And you're missing the point. Come on. And even when you can't do the whole thing, you could do a seed. Is that right? A seed that God can multiply. You give him something to bless. A thousand times zero is still a big old zero. Got to give him something to multiply, something to bless. Well, just in a few weeks after that, uh, I came across a fellow minister. And the Lord quickened to me. I just... Again, there's that witness. I just a witness about that. And so after praying about it a little bit, checking my heart, just stayed there, just kept getting stronger. So uh, I, I was bold enough to say, brother, and we were friends, we knew each other. I said, you know, that car such and such that he drove to work. I said, uh, uh, do you owe any money on that? I know that's none of my business, but do you owe money? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. I said, I know this is really none of my business, but how much? Do you owe? He said, I think it was $3,300, $3,300. When he said that, I went, whew. Because <laughs> the Lord had already dealt with us to pay it off, whatever it had been. Now you're laughing, but 33 would have been like 300,000 to us back then. We didn't have it. We didn't have it. We didn't have an extra 300. And so I said, well, I said, uh, uh, the Lord's dealt with us. I said, how much is your payment? And it was $300, I think it was. And they had paid it down to that amount. I said, well, we're going to believe God and send you at least enough for the payment every month. And if we can, if we can do more than that, and we're going to believe to do that until it's paid off. And we knew this is our seed for our, our, our payoff. Now, we didn't have it. Uh, but we, again, what do you do? We asked. We joined hands. If any two of you agree is touching anything yet, we, we, we agreed. We, we, we said, Lord, we ask for that extra 330, whatever it was, extra every month above what we've been needing to spend it. We ask at least that, and we claim that whole amount to pay that off. Well, within... Um, uh, within the year or so, we paid it off. And it was wonderful to see how every month it would come from an unexpected channel, an unexpected place. But you know, you really find out if you believe this when you start sending other people money every month. Is that right? And so the, his car's paid for. And you know, it, this is so much fun You'd do it almost if you didn't get a harvest. I lost somebody there, didn't I? I'm telling you, it is more blessed to give even than to receive. It is, it is some kind of fun. And if you say, well, I, I, we, I can't do that. I don't have it. We didn't have it either. We didn't have it. But when you got the Lord's direction, you got all you need. Go ahead, take a step. 
And just about, I don't know, three months or so after that, I was ministering somewhere and I had left the building and it was winter time. I was walking across the parking lot to go to my little, my little truck. Phyllis had the new one. And I was in my little 69 Chevy pickup. And, and so uh, wind was blowing and it was cold and I'm kind of in a hurry to get to the car. And I heard somebody say, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, wait, Brother Keith, wait. I stopped and they're coming, and I thought, man, we don't want to stand out here in the parking lot, do we? And he said, I won't take long. I said, okay, come on, come on, come on. He said, uh, uh, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, the Lord told us that you and Phyllis are believing for something, and we wanted to sow a seed. And he stuck a check in my hand, and it was $300 above the payoff on our, on our new car. We took it to the bank. We deposited it, we paid it off, got the lien off. Man, it drove better. <laughs> Seemed like when you press the pedal, take off faster. Did, didn't have all that debt hanging on the back of it. it was <laughs> yeah. Who did it? The Lord did it. But did we have a part? Come on, can you see this? Did we need to be willing? Did we need to ask? Did we need to look? Did we need to seek? Come on, can you see this? Go to the book of Proverbs. You about had enough or can you take a little bit, little bit more? Book of Proverbs, would you, would you go there? Where is that? Thank you, Lord. Uh, yeah, Proverbs 2, that's right. Thank you, Lord. Proverbs 2 and 1. Now, we're still talking about Solomon asked for wisdom, but that wasn't the end of it. Then what did he do? He basically made it a lifelong pursuit that he is looking for it. And the Bible says he wrote thousands of songs and proverbs and he, and he talked about everything from cedar trees to weeds that grew out of the wall. Why? He is seeing the wisdom of God in the creation. And you know why? He's seeing these things that a lot of things nobody prior to him had even seen nor understood. You know why he's seeing it? He asked for it. And the Lord gave it to him. And what? Every day of his life, he's looking for it. He walks by a tree and goes, wow, God, how do you make a tree? Would you look at that? And so he's not just looking going, isn't that lovely? He wants to understand how a root system works, how the evaporation, how photosynthesis works. All he wants to understand. And while he's looking, God shows him things. And he writes Proverbs about it. And, and, and we're still benefiting, aren't we? Hey, anybody read the book of Proverbs before? That didn't just fall on him. 
Brother Hagin used to say that. He said, the blessings of God don't just fall on you like ripe cherries off a tree. What does that mean? You've got to look for them. You've got to reach for them. He said in Proverbs 2, verse 1, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding... Yea, if you cry after knowledge and you lift up your voice for understanding, is that a hunger? Is that a desire? They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Seek and you will find. There's too much laziness. There's too much passivity. There's too much, I don't like this phrase, I have eliminated it from my Vocabulary, whatever. Not a good phrase. Another one is, I'm just saying. <laughs> then you don't believe in the power of your words. Hmm? Too much looseness. What does the term whatever mean? Whatever. What does it mean? No big deal. Okay if it does, okay if it don't, care if I see, care if I don't. That's not how you get the good things of God. You got to go after it, brother. You got to go after it, sister. You got to be hungry and thirsty for it. You got to read the next verse. If you seek her as silver, if you search for her as for hid treasure, then, everybody say then, then, then you'll understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. You got to value it enough and you're to be commended because there's a whole lot of people, they could not find the time to come to church on what is it, a Wednesday night or whatever. They couldn't be bothered. Hmm? And yet here you are. Sitting up in church, looking for something. Oh, come on, you're going to have to uh, look, looking for something. Huh? Looking for something. Do you remember the prophet one time, uh, you know, at the, sh the showdown with the prophets of Baal and, and all that stuff? And, and then he, it had been drought, no rain for it was years, right? Three and a half years or something. I mean, the country was in terrible shape. And, um, and so the man of God said, he, he prophesied, he told the king, he said, you better hurry up and get home. He said, because it's going to rain you out. Of course, everybody thought that was funny because it wasn't a cloud in the sky and it hadn't rained for months and months and months. But then, he, he, then after he says that, he tells his servant, go look. Go look. What are we looking for? Looking for the rain. Ain't no rain. Well, the man said, ain't no rain. Ain't no rain within 500 miles of here. He said, I said, go look. That's right. So he goes and he looks around and he comes back and he says, nothing. Anybody remember what he said? Go look again. Go look again. So he goes and, and he looks and he says, nothing, nothing. Like I said, there's not, no cloud, not a cloud. Anybody know what he said? What did he say? Go look again. And he just kept on doing it, kept on doing it until finally he came back and said, you know, there is a tiny little cloud. He said, you better run if you don't want to get washed out. You better run. <laughs> and sure enough, a deluge came. 
Why? He believed the word of the Lord and he looked for it. He searched for it. He reached for it and they found it. Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you will find. Somebody say seek and you will find. You shall find. You will find. What if you can't be bothered to look for it? You are too busy with life and job and home and ball games and hobbies and golf and all that. And you just, you know, you can't be bothered to look for that. Well, then you won't be bothered by it. Because the Lord told us, don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What does that mean? Do not give precious things to people who have no appreciation for it, who don't value it. That's why if you're hungry for it, if you're thirsty for it, if you want it, if you desire it, if you're willing to ask for it, look for it, search for it like you're looking for treasure, you will find it. God will see to it. Oh, hallelujah. He will see to it that you find it. And when you do, you will be so happy and it won't just help you. Every answer that God gives you that gives you a victory and gives you a miracle in your life, it's ultimately for other people besides you to help share with them in their time of need and help them get through it. So it was worth every bit of you seeking God to find it because it not only helped you out of your situation, but who knows, could help your grandkids' grandkids if the Lord tarries is coming that long. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Go with me if you would to the book of Revelation in closing, I think. No, no, I'm not ready. On your way to Revelation, stop by. It's on the way. Stop by Acts 12. (laughs) Stop by Acts 12. Acts 12. The, uh, the authorities at this time in the church are killing Christian leaders. They're executing them. They're beheading them. And they got Peter and locked him up in jail and he is already scheduled to be executed the next morning. And uh, what I find is interesting is Next thing you know, he is sound asleep hours before his execution. Now that is casting your cares over on the Lord. First Peter, you know, uh, part of that came through him about, you know, casting your cares and that kind of thing. So he's practicing what he preached. And he is, he's sleeping. And the angel comes in and had to kick him and wake him up. <laughs> and then told him, you know, I guess maybe he, you know, if you, if you get waking out of real deep sleep, sometimes you're a little groggy or slow. And he had to tell him word by word, okay, get up, stand up, get your clothes, keep, take your clothes, put your sandals on. Come on, come on, follow me, follow me, follow me. And so he's following him. He thinks he's dreaming. He's thinking, wow, this dream is really vivid. It's really real. This guy looks real. So he's following him, and they just walk past the guards. They walk 
and they get to the gate, the iron gate, and it just opens up, clink, by itself and swings open. And they go all the way out of the prison, all the way down the street, all the way down the next street, and go to where the believers are praying for his deliverance. And they're all praying still. I guess they're going all night prayer vigil for him. You know, they love Peter. They don't want to see him. They've already seen uh, one got executed, you know, one of their leaders. And so, uh, so he, uh, after a little while, the angel just is gone. And Peter realizes, this ain't a dream. I'm out of jail. No sirens going off. Anything. And so, he realizes, there's my friend's house right around the corner. So he comes around and verse 13. Peter did what? What did he do? Now what if he hadn't knocked? <laughs> Waited for a patrol car to come by. <laughs> or a patrol chariot, whatever it takes by. Now, what's, what's he doing? Why is he knocking? Help me out. Help me out, church. Just, he wants entrance. He wants into something that he's not in right now. He wants. And so uh, a damsel came to, to here to answer the door. Her name was Rhoda. And uh, before she even gets the door open, Peter's talking. And he says, it's me. It's Peter. Open the door. And she recognized his voice. And just turned and ran back in, back in. Didn't open the door. She's so excited and, and for gladness. And, and, and she said, Peter is out there. And he's knocking on the door. Peter's out. They're like, and they said, uh, you're crazy. Now, let's just sort of stop right here. What are they praying for? <laughs> Peter's deliverance. Who's at the door? Peter. And they're calling her crazy. But, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. But notice verse 16. What happened next? Come on, help me out. What, what, what happened next? How many believe every word in the scripture is significant? Every, it applies to so many things. What do you do if you knock and the door doesn't just fly open? Huh? The Lord either told you to go there or he didn't, right? He either, is he the God who can open doors that nobody can close? Is he? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. I hear sometimes people saying, you know, well, Lord, you know, if, if you don't want us to do that, then just close the door. That's not the way to pray. The enemy can do things out in this uh, world. He can influence. And even if both doors are open and they are inviting you to come in, that doesn't mean you should go in. You should stop and say, Lord, is this you? Should I go in? Right? Don't be externally led. Be internally led. And so the opposite is true. If you get to the door and it's barred and triple locked, but the Lord told you to go there, what do you do? Well, they won't let me in. Doesn't mean a thing. Knock. Say, I'm here. Then what do you do? Continue knocking. Command the thing to open up. Is that right? 
Stand there. Believe God. Keep going back. Keep reaching. If he told you to do it, he will make it work. But that's still not his part. The knocking is my part. The seeking is my part. The asking is my part. He continued knocking, and when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astonished. You reckon they had asked for his deliverance? Was asking involved? Absolutely. And seeking the answer. And then God sent an angel. Hallelujah. And then it was finished up with some knocking. You know, that's how Jesus himself operates. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you'll open up, I'll come in. Sup with you. Hallelujah. We'll, we'll have good fellowship. But all of these things are spiritual principles that never change. They work the same for anybody and everybody. Somebody said out loud, it will work for me. Asking works for me. Seeking works for me. Knocking works for me. When I do it in faith, I do it at his direction. I always get results.